Hearing voices? I'm hearing voices. You're listening to Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. Well, hero may be too strong a word, but this morning on Hearing Voices, we visit with one of the very best in the business. Kyle Cantrell joins me on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. He's a member of the Country Radio Hall of Fame, and you hear him on Banjo Radio. Kyle, thanks for your time today. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me on. This is exciting. I I didn't uh, know I'd get to do this today, so I'm glad to be here. Let's go back to Memphis when it all started. How did you decide radio is going to be something I'm going to take a swing at? That's a great question. I've been asked many times. I I don't have an answer to that question, Scott. I just always loved radio uh, as a kid. Um, for some reason or another, it was uh, it was something I was drawn to. And I think uh, some of it may have been hearing my parents talk about how much they enjoyed growing up in the radio era and the how important listening to the radio was to them. And that fascinated me because I came up in the television era. You know, as a kid, TV had been in Nashville for 11 years when I was born. Uh, so it was still relatively new. And um, it, uh, you know, when I would hear them talk about listening to the radio, it fascinated me that there was once a time when you couldn't watch television, when it was all radio. Memphis was a good radio market when you started there, but then you made a quantum leap to double. Well, I, I, let me clarify. I grew up in Nashville, not, not Memphis. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, WSM here in Nashville was always the place that, uh, I wanted to land. Uh, when I, when I became aware of radio, uh, that was a station that my, my family, um, would, would speak of. It was certainly the most powerful radio station in the area. And I don't mean, I don't mean just, uh, you know, power in terms of watts and frequency and that sort of thing. It was powerful in terms of its influence because of the way the station had been run since the time it signed on. And that was still very much the case when I entered the picture and when I started listening to the radio stations. We we had a lot of good stations on the air here at the time and lots, lots of competition going on. But WSM just always seemed head and shoulders above all of them. And it was like they were kind of operating down in the – down in the trenches somewhere, and WSM was up on the hill above it all. How did you end up at WSM? Well, I was in college, uh, actually, when that happened. I had taken a job after my freshman year of college to try and determine if if radio really was something I wanted to pursue. I, I thought, you know, the best way to get into it is just find a job at a radio station, and I found an unsuspecting station that was willing to hire me and train me and teach me a little bit about the business. And I worked there for a couple of years and I heard that there was an opening or there were some, there, there was some talk of an opening. I'll put it that way at WSM where they, uh, they thought they might want to take on some part-time folks. A friend of mine had, uh, had applied there and had actually had a phone interview. And I thought, well, you know, what's it going to hurt me to do it? And and so I, I sent them a tape and a resume. And a few days later, they called. I had a phone interview. Next thing I know, I was sitting there at the station being interviewed. And uh, I had the job. So I was a I was a, going into my senior year of college and working part-time at WSM. I couldn't have asked for a better situation. His is the oh-so-recognizable voice of Kyle Cantrell. He joins me this morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. So you're at WSM, and it wasn't too long before you found yourself as a staff announcer at the Grand Ole Opry. You had to be thinking, my resume is getting good quickly. <laughs> well, you know, um, it's it's odd, Scott. I first visited the Grand Ole Opry to be in the crowd um, when I was about 15 years old. 
And, uh, you know, I had I had grown up hearing it on the radio and was fascinated with that kind of radio. And only a station like WSM was still doing something like that. And I said then and there that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be on the Opry. If anything ever happened in my radio career, if I could be in a situation like that, that would be ideal. So getting to WSM, just being a part of the station was the first phase of it. And then it took about three years, but uh, I wound up on the Opry, sure enough. Uh, one of the announcers um, had some health problems one night and uh, couldn't work his shifts. And I think they didn't really need me, actually. But I think what happened was management said, you know, we really, situations like this are going to come up. We really need to have some more depth on the bench. So they called me up and trained me uh, to do that, I, uh, the first my first night on the Opry, I was actually on the air for a grand total of 15 minutes after sitting there half the night. And then the, the manager said, well, thanks for being here. Uh, go go home now, and I'll call you if I need you again. And then, you know, there were a few weeks that went by before I was needed again. But it, that that's really where my time on the Opry began. All of our shows are available at whtc.com, and you can hear Kyle at banjoradio.com. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. So when you're a staff announcer at the Opry, your Rolodex grows really quickly. When you look at the contacts that you've got now, is there one person when you look at that phone and you think, wow, I've got so-and-so's cell phone number, and it still surprises you? <laughs> well, that's a good question. No, I, I actually, I've, I've kind of, I used to be that way when I was, uh, when I was younger. Uh, and actually this predates the, uh, you, you use the term Rolodex. This predates the, the days of the cell phone where you had your contact list and so forth. I had an address book and I still have my original address book and I, I thumb through it every now and then to see some of the names that I have in it. And that, that, that awes me more than any names that are in my current uh, contact list because it's gotten to be more more or less routine to have contact with people who are pretty pretty good sized celebrities. But back back when I was younger, to be in my twenties and have the phone numbers of some pretty important individuals in country music was uh, well, it was a lot to think about. It was part of the job. I didn't call them much. <laughs> I didn't have the occasion to, but they would occasionally call me. We wind up with Kyle Cantrell today on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. Who were the kindest folks that you worked with at the Opry? Well, uh, I think the kindest of all was my hero and mentor as a Grand Ole Opry announcer, and that was Grant Turner, the late Grant Turner, who today is a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame. Grant, um, Grant was the kind of individual that would never say an unkind word about anyone. And he was always so gracious, yet so very, very talented. He was the heart and soul of the Grand Ole Opry. Um, beyond the artist, he was he was probably the the most recognizable voice on the Opry aside from the artist that there was. And I remember one time we had this especially difficult uh, manager who had come to our staff, and he was um, terrorizing all of the all the staff and everybody with, you know how this happens in a, in a workplace situation, everybody's sitting around grousing about the boss and somebody says, well, Grant, what do you think? And the most we could get out of him was, well, I have my own ideas about that. And that's all he would ever say. 
Kyle Cantrell is one of the really good guys. He's a member of the Country Radio Hall of Fame. You know him from Satellite Radio and now BanjoRadio.com. We'll talk more with him tomorrow about that on Hearing Voices. Hearing Voices? I'm hearing voices. You're listening to Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. This morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson, we continue our visit with Country Radio Hall of Famer Kyle Cantrell. The new project is BanjoRadio.com. He's a five-time IBMA Broadcaster of the Year and just two weeks ago was named, once again, the Spigma Radio DJ of the Year. You were a host on radio, on satellite radio, and then you became a programmer for a lot of different stations that came to a very abrupt end. How did that happen? And did you have any warning that that time was winding down? No, uh, as far as satellite radio goes, no. Now, uh, at WSM, my, my time wound down there, you know, over the course of a year, year and a half or so. So I sort of knew where I was headed there. I actually went from there to satellite radio and um, worked in satellite radio for, for about 20 years. If you combine my time with Sirius satellite radio and then XM satellite radio and then Sirius XM, uh, it adds up to about 20 years. But um, it, uh, it was actually quite surprising last spring when the company decided to lay off about uh, 450, 475 people, and I was in that group. So it's just one of those things that happens. Um, it, it actually was good timing for me because I'd been thinking about doing something different anyway. So it was, I, I suppose, the nudge I needed to get out the door. No one likes to be let go, even if the timing is good. It seems to the rest of us that we're watching from a different a distance that you were out of a job for about 35 minutes and lunch. Uh, <laughs> how did the idea of BanjoRadio.com grow? And what were some of the challenges in building that quite literally from nothing? Yeah, just just to uh, to to tell you something here, I I I, I fell in love while working with SiriusXM. I fell in love with bluegrass music, and and when it was when it was all over there, I, I didn't have any idea that I would ever quit or slow down. You know, I, I suppose I'm at the age where I could hang it up if I wanted to, but I don't want to retire. You know, I wanted to I want to stay engaged with it. So I was telling a friend of mine about a month or two before I left SiriusXM. That you know, I'm I'm thinking about what the next step for me is going to be, and and how I can do something different yet still stay engaged. And he said, "Have you considered launching an internet radio station?" And I said, "Well, I've thought about it, but it sounds too complicated." Well, it turns out that this friend actually has one, and he was telling me what he did, and uh, I thought, "Well, you know, maybe I can do that." And so I was already in the process of thinking about it. And as you say, it was a relatively quick turnaround from from leaving SiriusXM and having Banjo Radio on the air. I had already secured the name Banjo Radio, ready to go with that part of it. Um, I did find that there were some technical hurdles and things like that I had to jump over. Uh, you know, it's a little different from being a program director or a uh, an announcer to your own engineer and your own manager and your own sales department and the whole the whole thing. But uh, you know, I, I'm still working through all that. But it, uh, I, I'm proud that it has gotten to where it is. We've been on the air now for more than six months, and I'm very happy about that. As I mentioned, he's a five-time IBMA Broadcaster of the Year. He's also a member of the Country Radio Hall of Fame. We're joined this morning by Kyle Cantrell. All of our shows are at whtc.com, and if you've got a smart speaker. Ask it to play Hearing Voices with Scott Watson, and it will find us on Apple, Google, or Spotify. When you left SiriusXM, a lot of us were shocked 
is there one person that reached out to you and it meant the most? Wow. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people reached out to me. Um, I don't know that I can point to one person that, that I would say changed my whole perception of the thing, but, um, I have been amazed at the support that I have gotten from the bluegrass community, from the, from the largest to the smallest. And, um, I, I, I'm awestruck by that. We have had numerous ones of them. Everybody from, from Del McCurry, who is perhaps one of the biggest stars in bluegrass. Ricky Skaggs was another one. Uh, they've all been on banjo radio. Um, and we, we keep having them come in. Uh, you know, if I call somebody and say, Hey, I'd like to talk to you about your new album, or I'd like to have you on for some reason or another, they're, they're more than willing to do it if it can fit into their schedule. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. It's a terrific community. One of the reasons so many reached out, though, is because your style is so relatable and so positive. You've launched some careers, and you probably are too modest to say that, so I've said it. Is there one career, though, that when you look back, you're especially proud that you had some role in getting them heard maybe for the first time or a little exposure that maybe they'd worked hard to get and the chips just hadn't fallen their way? Yeah, I've been on the, you know, whether or not I made their career is another matter. Uh, but I have, I have been on the front row seat for the start of some pretty strong careers. We have a group in bluegrass called Balsam Range that has had several songs of the year. They've been a very powerful group in bluegrass. I was one of the first to play their stuff, uh, was pleased to have them on. Another group is the Steep Canyon Rangers. That was, uh, you know, I was early on with them. Um, Flat Lonesome in the uh, 2010s. Uh, I was the I first. I them. Yeah, I do too. Oh, how I how I miss them. But I was um, I was the first disc jockey to ever play uh, their material and um, followed their career all the way to the end. You did a lot of things with them. Really, really appreciated those those folks. So there have been there have been some good ones that I've been involved in. Donnie Ulysses is another one who. Uh, who has been, you know, terrific. And um, I don't I don't think she got much play before I heard her and started playing her stuff. Do you listen to radio when you're not working? Yeah, I do. I I, I still enjoy radio. Um, it's not what it used to be. You know, I used to be quite a student of it. And I, uh, I hate what has happened, generally speaking, to radio. And a lot of that is due to the fragmentation of entertainment in general. And budgets have been cut, and and we don't carry ourselves. If I can be so critical of my own industry, with the honor that I think we should, um, but uh, some of that is also very understandable. So um, I, I'm I'm proud to be a part of the industry. I'm proud to have had a role in it, and to work with some of the people I've worked with. Uh, you know, I've I've gotten to be around, rub shoulders with some of the biggest country and bluegrass stars in in that genre of music, and. Uh, if there is anything I could uh, could change about my career, I don't think I would. I, I've, I've been very lucky uh, to, to have worked in a couple of places for a couple of decades each. And um, most most radio people, if they can get two years out of a job, they're lucky. So uh, it's it's been a great, great uh, business for me to be in. Kyle Cantrell is a member of the Country Radio Hall of Fame. We'll have more with him tomorrow. We'll play Word Association tomorrow morning on Hearing Voices. Hearing Voices? I'm Hearing Voices. You're listening to Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. 
This morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson, we wind up my visit with Kyle Cantrell. He's a member of the Country Radio Hall of Fame, and you can hear Kyle on BanjoRadio.com. We're going to play Word Association to finish out, but before we do that, I want to talk real specifically. People can stream you at BanjoRadio.com, but they can download an app and access you as well. Talk about that. Yeah, it's available in all of the app stores. Depending on which device you have, you can go and find it. Banjo Radio is one word. We're also available on smart speakers. Just play Banjo Radio Live is the command. Um, uh, Amazon Alexa, we have a lot of listeners that way. So uh, we'd love to have people have our mobile app. Of course, you can find us online, BanjoRadio.com. Just uh, you can listen through your browser if you want to do it that way. There are a lot of ways to get us. And if you would like, like I have, a Banjo Radio shirt, a little donation in the store tab, and Kyle and Becky will make sure that one shows up at your house just like one showed up at mine. We're going to play word association. We're going to do past, present, and future. Okay. I'll give you a word. You give me just a few, uh, a, a quick answer. Grandpa Jones. Grandpa Jones. What a, what a. What a sweet man. I worked many, many Opry shows with him. Love Grandpa Jones. He was he was one of the most naturally funny individuals. He could just say hello and it would be funny. I'd I'd love Grandpa Jones and miss him terribly. Whispering Bill Anderson. Whispering Bill Anderson, perhaps one of the greatest and most gifted broadcasters and um songwriters that I've ever known and, and a terrific onstage presence, very smooth, very, uh, very easy to work with. I, I, I have done many shows with Bill too, and he's, he's the best. Minnie Pearl. Minnie Pearl. What a sweet lady. I met Minnie Pearl when I had uh, been a, an Opry announcer for less than a year and I was assigned to work the Grand Ole Opry matinees and she was so professional. She would always show up in costume, ready to work an hour before she was to go on, which meant that she would hang around backstage and talk to me. And those conversations were precious. Little Jimmy Dickens. Little Jimmy Dickens, Tater. <laughs> he was he was one of the uh, uh, performers that I would always stop and watch whenever I introduced him on the Grand Ole Opry because he had a he had the, a power over the audience that to this day is unparalleled. And here was a guy who hadn't had a hit record in years, but he would have any audience in the palm of his hand within minutes, and and just just an amazing performer. Roy Acuff. Roy Acuff was my musical hero as a child. The first record I ever owned was a Roy Acuff record. And so I I was awestruck by him when I started working at the Grand Ole Opry. And the first few years, really the first two or three years, I would introduce him every time I was on the Opry and then just kind of go hide, you know, in the hope that he wouldn't speak to me because I would be so, uh, it would be so hard for me to respond to him. That's, that's how much esteem I held him in. But later, um, later I came to learn that he actually appreciated me and we had some great conversations and he was a fine man and I, I wish I'd gotten to know him better. He was always so gracious and, and good to me and he truly loved the Grand Ole Opry and he loved his fans. You mentioned that you were around at the start for some pretty big careers. I think I might touch on a couple of those now. Of this fella, Vince Gill. Yeah, Vince Gill. Vince Gill was, um, and, and and my wife Becky tells this story. Vince Gill actually babysat for her one time. We were, uh, she had a job taking care of a couple of kids uh, who belonged to Vince's sister-in-law. And so she could go out on a date with me. Vince agreed to babysit. And this was back before, you know, he was 
any great shakes in the business. But I saw him grow as well. I remember his first few records were not big hits, but then it just kept building and building and building until he became the superstar that he is. And again, always gracious, always gracious. He's he's one of the kindest and most accessible people I've ever known. Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson, I've I've not spent a whole lot of time around Alan, but what a what a good guy to be with. Uh, you know, this is a recurring theme, Scott. I mean, I, you're you're mentioning people that I absolutely love, and Alan, when he did his Bluegrass album, that's probably the most extensive time I spent with Alan. Was we had him do a track by track on Sirius XM, and I got to interview him just as I would have interviewed any other artist and play his Bluegrass album, and he seemed to genuinely be glad to be there and to be playing Bluegrass, which surprised me because he was such a big honky-tonk-style country star. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Probably, um, you know, we were talking about little Jimmy Dickens and and his ability to capture an audience. Garth, I think, went to school on Dickens because he had that same power. But the, the thing that Garth uh, would do as well is he had this Ernest Tubb-like um, rapport with his fans. And I've seen him. I've seen him stand and sign autographs for hours and hours and hours. And I think that may be the secret to Garth Brooks. People could tell he really loves his fans. Allison Krauss. Allison Krauss, the most Grammy winningest bluegrass artist in history. A lot of people don't know about Al- know this about Allison is that off stage she is one of the funniest people you will ever find. She has a very dry wit, keen sense of humor. Uh, I've had the occasion to introduce her numerous times and be around her on stage, and uh, I love her music. I, you know, the thing about Allison is uh, she could do just anything. I love it when she does straight bluegrass, of course, but she's risen beyond that and has proven she can do whatever she wants, and and I love that about her. My son was a young boy, and he says, Daddy, she sounds like an angel. (laughs) She does. She does. And especially in those early days, there was no one else like her. No one sang like her. And so when you'd hear that voice, you'd think that is the voice of an angel. Final question for the great Kyle Cantrell today on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. You've been doing this a long time. You've rubbed shoulders, as you mentioned, with some of the Mm. biggest names in all of entertainment. Is there one guest or one day as a broadcaster that stands out for you? Mm. That's a hard question because there have been many milestones, Scott. Uh, One thing that I don't think I'll ever forget is the day we celebrated the 75th anniversary of WSM. And that year, um, about that same time, Radio and Records, which was a popular trade publication back in those days, all the industry read it, both in the music business and in the broadcasting business, they had named WSM Country Station of the Century. And um, so this was the year 2000. And and we were celebrating our 75th anniversary. And the, we, we broadcast all day from the Ryman Auditorium stage. And the parade of artists that came across that stage up to and including a call we got from the president um, was that was just an amazing day that I'm not likely to forget. And to have gotten to be involved in that was a tremendous honor for me. And I'm glad that I could be in that time and place. Kyle Cantrell is one of my radio if you will, heroes. I'm grateful for your time. We've had, I've had a chance to meet him a couple of times, and he as well is very gracious. But more than that, he lives next door to the daughter of a buddy of mine, and I am told he's a good neighbor. 
He's also the five-time IBMA Broadcaster of the Year, the current, once again, Spigma Radio DJ of the Year, and a member of the Radio Hall of Fame, the Country Radio Hall of Fame. Kyle, thanks so much for your time today on Hearing Voices. Scott, an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me on.